I'm fascinated by people. I love to watch people. Fascinated by people, and I'm fascinated by their interests. I'm also fascinated by technology, and, and I'm always interested to see how interests and technology coincide. I'm going to ask you to listen as I read a few portions of an article. This is a, from an online periodical named The Hustle, and it is dated January of 2022. The name of the article, YouTube's 10-Year-Old Millionaire Explained. How a 10-year-old became the king of toys and YouTube. Many parents struggle to figure out how much time to let their kids spend in front of screens. Loan and Shion Kaji have the opposite problem, figuring out how much time to let their son spend in front of the camera. Their 10-year-old, Ryan, is the star of Ryan's World, a toy-centric YouTube empire that earned the family over $25 million in 2020, according to the New York Times. Ryan's World started small. The first video features, at that time, three-year-old Ryan making his pick of the week in the toy aisle at Target. <laughs> and he picked up a Lego train. And the family, worried that buying a new toy every week would get expensive, the family set a weekly production budget of $20. And when one of Ryan's videos went viral, exploded online, the family no longer had to worry about the cost <laughs> of the weekly production. After experiencing explosive growth from this toy review, it's a three-year-old opening a toy, unpackaging a toy, and enjoying the toy and talking about the toy. Both parents eventually quit their jobs to help build Ryan's brand. And the key to their success, there's no shortage of toy videos on YouTube, but the family realized that most of them are focused on the brand of the toy, not the child. And they differentiated by making Ryan the star of the show, and this led to monster growth, and the channel on YouTube. And YouTube, I love YouTube because YouTube, I'm inserting this, this is not the article, uh, I've learned how to fix dishwashers, I've learned how to fix various things around my house from YouTube videos. Many of you have done the same thing. But the channel for Ryan now counts over 31 million subscribers. Ryan's World Merchandise brought in $250 million in 2020. Why do I bring this up? I mean, we've heard of child actors, Shirley Temple... <laughs> Uh, for my generation, you had Macaulay Culkin from the Home Alone movie. And my kids remember the, the actors on the Disney Channel back in their day. And, and this is a different model here. It's a different day. And, and, and right now, this online enterprise, it's a family one. 
mom and dad are in the mix as parents and legal stewards of their son's online business. And it stands to reason there's going to come a day when this young man will inherit all of this in full. But right now, this child is considered by law a minor. And there are still some things that a minor is unable to do legally. Paul, in the fourth chapter of Galatians, uses the imagery of age and inheritance and adoption to communicate our place in the family of God. Paul says that if a family has a child who will become an heir at some point, he does not differ really at all from the family servant if the family has one, although the child stands to inherit one day everything. Last time Paul ended chapter 3 saying, if, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and your heirs according the, to the promise which the Lord made to Abraham. A, a promise which actually points forward to the coming of Jesus the Messiah. And Paul begins this morning, he says, Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all, differ at all from a family servant, although he's owner of everything. Um, one writer said that the, the guardian of both, is he's the representative of one and the master of the other, and both the child and the servant are incapable of any valid act in a legal sense. They're both subject to the same restraint and discipline and correction. And then Paul says the child is under guardians and managers until a date set by the father for inheritance. And this model is one which has both the child's well-being and future in mind. Current state and future state. The child will inherit the estate, but, in, but until he's of a certain age, he's got a financial portfolio that's handled by guardians and managers. And this is done, again, for the child's well-being and for the child's future. And, and then Paul says, but when we were children, we were held in bondage under the elementary principles of the world. When we were children, when we thought as children and we spoke as children and we thought like children and acted like children, we were, we were in essence held in bondage by the average, ordinary things of the world. Mark calls them the, the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things. But when the fullness of time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. God sent His Son, Jesus, born of a woman, born of Mary, born under the law. And, and Jesus, he's, he's born of woman, He's fully human and fully divine. By the way, He's not half human and half divine. He's fully human and fully divine. Jesus is flesh, and the law does apply to Jesus. And that's why... Jesus' sacrifice on the cross works for us. He was anointed to be sacrificed. He was set aside to be the sacrifice at His baptism. He was prepared. And then Paul says about the fullness of time coming. And that's an interesting choice of words. Actually, in the original language, it's one word. 
one word says a whole lot. Fullness of time. And, and what that word means is a set time, a, a right time, a, a time which is appointed by the Heavenly Father. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. In the fullness of time, the Lord would redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. We've talked about redeem. Redeem means to buy back, to pay the ransom, to rescue from loss. We are redeemed so that we would receive adoption as sons and daughters of God. What does Paul mean about adoption? Well, as we understand adoption, we have redemption, which is followed by adoption. and It's the admission of the believer into the kingdom of God, of which God is the Father, and Christ is the eldest Son. Mm. The kingdom of God. We have now been placed as sons and daughters into God's kingdom because of what Jesus has done. Why is this significant? Well, lots of reasons. <laughs> we, we know, I think by now, I hope we know, that, that we're, we're all fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image. We're all born. If you're, if you're sitting here today and you're breathing, you, you were born and you are living. <laughs> okay? And... and we're all alive, but, but if we don't follow the Lord's calling out to us to a place where we will turn from sin and turn to Jesus, even though we're living, if we don't turn to Jesus, we will not be adopted into the family of God. We can be alive and be living and be breathing and be functioning and going about our way, but we won't be in the family of God. You've probably heard the phrase. I know I've used the phrase years ago. Oh, we're all God's children. Well, we've all been made. We've all been created. However, when we see the words of Jesus in John 14, saying that I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life, no one will come to the Father except through me. A phrase like, we're all God's children, it doesn't really hold up with what the Bible says. Scripture says different. Paul says, because you're sons and daughters, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Because we're sons and daughters, because we have been adopted into God's family if we've trusted in that redemption which Jesus alone can offer us, if we've been purchased, if we come to Jesus with the understanding that He has purchased us out of our sin, we've been redeemed out of our sin by the blood, by His blood, then we're made sons and we're made daughters and, and God has sent His very Spirit of His Son into our hearts. How has God done this? It was the Last Supper Jesus would have with the disciples, and Jesus said a lot of things. And He tells His followers in John 14, verse 16, Jesus says, I'm going to ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, 
who will be with you forever. And that's the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because the world doesn't see him or know him. But then he says, but you know him. Because he abides, he dwells with you and will be in you. And then Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you while I'm dwelling with you, I'm abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He, he will bring to your memory, your remembrance, all that I have told you. And then Jesus says, peace I leave with you. I leave you peace, and it's my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. I don't give it in the same way. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it, nor let it be fearful. Boy, these are words we need to hear today. <laughs> in John chapter 16, Jesus would pick up this line of thought about the Spirit. He, he says, I will tell you the truth. We can trust Jesus to tell us the truth. He doesn't hedge. He said, it's to your advantage that I go away. He's talking about, I'm going to the cross and I'll be killed. And then I'm going to be buried and then I'm going to be raised to life. And then I'm going, in several days after that, I'm going to ascend to the side of my Father. But he didn't communicate all of that in full to the disciples at that point. He just said, it's to your advantage that I'm going away. Because if I don't go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, really when I go, I'm going to send him to you. And when he, when he comes, when the Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And then Jesus says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. And that, <laughs> that's an understatement. <laughs> But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth, and the Spirit will not speak on His own. Whatever He hears from me, He will speak. He will share it with you. And then Jesus says something about the Holy Spirit. He says, He will glorify me. You know, the Spirit comes to convict of sin and righteousness and judgment and will glorify Jesus. The Spirit will glorify me, and He will take of mine, and He will share with you. And then we saw just a few months ago as we opened up the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, that God's Holy Spirit descended at Pentecost. You know the story. Indwelling the believer, equipping the believer for, for gospel purpose, the very presence of God which Jesus promised the church before he ascended to heaven. When, when he says in Matthew 28, Jesus says, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. And then God's Spirit, Paul says, cries out, Abba, Father. What is this? Abba. That word means Daddy. God's Spirit, in whom, in those whom He has redeemed, God's Spirit re re reveals this intimacy that we can now have with the Father. An intimacy 
like that of a small child to, to his or her parent. Abba, Daddy. We've got a child going to college this week. <laughs> and uh, we've had a lot of, well, I, I've had a lot of reflections in the last, uh, thought about a lot of things over the last period of time. And there was a day when my children would jump up to meet me when I got home from work. They'd jump up and hug me. Daddy. The way they approached me is the way we can approach the Heavenly Father. Because of the cross of Jesus, we can have our sins forgiven. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, we can have eternal life. And because of the ascension of Jesus, we can have God's Holy Spirit alive in us. That's our family inheritance as sons and daughters of God. Paul says, Therefore you're no longer a slave or servant, but you're a son, you're a daughter. And if you're a son or a daughter, then you're an heir through God. If we've turned to Jesus in our sin, we're no longer servants or slaves. We're sons, we're daughters, and if we're sons and we're daughters, then we're heirs through God, through Jesus. We are joint heirs with Jesus. Once children held captive by these average, ordinary cares, concerns, and worries of the world, we now have the opportunity to be sons and daughters adopted into God's family. Family inheritance and the fullness of time. What do I mean? What does that mean? What does fullness of time communicate? The set time, the right time, the time appointed by the Father. When we set an appointment in our daytimer, our phone, on the calendar, we're being intentional. Church family, we are at a point. We are at a point. We're in a season. We're in a crucial season. Two weeks ago, I met with our deacons. And in the coming weeks, I'm going to share with you what I shared with our deacons about how the road ahead for our church could look. How it could look. And I believe it's a road of hope. I believe it's a road of hope. Our church set aside for gospel proclamation and witness way back in 1803. In this corner of Bedford County and beyond is still set aside for gospel proclamation and witness in 2022 and beyond. And I believe the future, I believe the future can be bright. Jake, how bright can the future be? As bright 
as we will allow it to be. How bright is our future? As bright as you and I will allow it. What does fullness of time communicate? The set time, the right time, the time appointed by the Father. We are at a point, a crucial point. We are entering a season of urgency, really. But this is a season of hope. A season of hope. And as we enter this season, it's important to remember one thing. We're not alone. We are not alone. What did Jesus tell us in Matthew 28? Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. We're commissioned to make disciples. We're commissioned to carry and communicate the gospel. That word gospel. Gospel is is good news. That's the actual meaning of the word gospel is good news. We have been called to communicate God's word. And, And these are words which lead to life. These are words which lead to life abundant and life eternal. And you know what? The one who wrote those words, our Heavenly Father, we can trust the heart of the one who has written these words. Do you know why? We can trust the Lord who wrote these words to have our very best interests at His heart.